they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miracles since were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Well, I do have some things to share, but I could have just been singing God is Love the rest of the morning, and I think it would have worked for me. That was really a, a blessing. After I became a Christian, there were uh, some scriptures that right away started being really important to me. And it's because uh, of who I was, the things that I kind of was experiencing in life. And so I started reading the Bible and noticed immediately that there were things in the Bible that just stood right out to me and kind of said, Oh, Kelly, this is for you. Here's one of them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 through chapter 3, verse 2. Brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And the, the part that I seized on there was this notion that Paul cared so much for the people to whom he was ministering and to whom he preached that they just meant so much to him. He could say, you are my glory. You are my joy, Paul says. And it meant a lot to me because I thought, I've entered into a family of people who think of each other like that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I can remember uh, a friend of mine, Mike Hawsey. Uh, Mike was, uh, well, he is 6'3", 6'4". We used to call him Pike's Peak when we were growing up. He just was uh, so much bigger than everybody else. And after Mike became a Christian and I became a Christian, we came, became Christians at the same time. We both had kind of similar backgrounds in some ways. And it was like the church, the church took on a special significance for myself and for Mike. And Mike and I would, every Saturday... Go out, and those of you who did bus ministry will remember this. We did callbacks every Saturday. So I spent years as a high school student every Saturday going to homes of the kids that were riding the joy bus and asking if they were going to come on Sunday. And then I would get up on Sunday morning. Mike and I would go to the local restaurant, and we'd each have a hot butter horn with hot chocolate to the point where the, the waitress would oftentimes have it ready for us when we got there because she knew we'd be there every Sunday morning together. And he and I would have a hot butterhorn and hot chocolate and then we'd go and do the bus ministry together and then spend our day ministering with the church. And we'd come back on Sunday night and be with the youth group. And the youth group became very much 
Mike's and my family. It was an incredible experience for us to have entered into this community that we had not really had before. Neither one of us had the kind of lives at home that made everything as pleasant as we would like them to be. And so we had new community. And we knew, we knew that the people in the church absolutely loved us. And the fact is, we loved them. And there was a dynamic there that, that existed between these new kids that had come to church, which I'm sure is what I was to them, and this newfound family that meant so much to me. I can remember going hunting with my father on a Sunday morning, being gone for the morning, coming back and longing to go to church on Sunday night. And the reason I wanted so badly to go to church on Sunday night was because I knew that when I went on Sunday night, because it was my birthday, that the youth group was going to have a surprise party for me. I knew they would. And I was not disappointed. And the reason I wasn't disappointed and the reason I looked forward to it all day long we, because, because that was such a sign to me from them that I meant so much to them. I wanted to have a surprise party. They had surprise parties for everybody else. And I knew they were going to have one for me too. And like I look back on those memories, those times in that youth group and my new acquaintance with that church and the new family that I'd found And those are some of the sweetest memories that I have in my life. I loved, absolutely loved being with them. So since the time that I've been about 15 years old, the church has been my family. And not just in some way that we always say that, but I mean really. The church has been my family. And the fellowship that I've experienced in the body of Christ has been rich and deep and something that I cherish with all my heart and which will always mean as much to me as anything in life. Save my relationship with Jesus and my earthly family that I now have with my wife and children. I can't think of anything more important to me, more meaningful to me, something that stirs my heart and soul as much as the relationship that I have with the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I I tell you all of that because it's my impression that that's the way it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be like that. Like we're supposed to have those kinds of relationships. It is supposed to be just as meaningful to us as that is to me. I think that is exactly how God has designed it. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that the church means as much to me as it does because I think that's a fulfillment of God's vision for what the church is supposed to be in people's lives. And indeed in my life, it is. Steph? You want to come up here, please?
I'm bringing stuff up because recently she and I had a chance to go get a coffee together. And she's a student at Alberta Bible College, but also a member here. And in her telling me about her story, it became so obvious to me that she and I shared something together. Because there are things about her life and my life that run very parallel with reference to the relationships that we have with the church. And so I want you, I guess you can go over here to this microphone. If you would just tell everybody just briefly about your relationship with the Grand Prairie Church of Christ and what happened in your life. Yeah, you can move it. Okay. It won't break. Hi. Um, well, when I was a kid, I um, I attended uh, a different church than the one that I um, am presently part of in Grand Prairie. I mean, it was it was kind of hard for me because my family um, is not well off. Um, my mom is has been on H since I was born. She's in a wheelchair. Um, so when I was about 13, I met a girl named Megan Biggs, and she took me to the Grand Prairie Church of Christ. Um, and the other church that I was going to, like, it was, it was fine, but I felt like they saw me as a charity case, and they didn't love me. They just, uh, well, they did a bit, but <laughs> I, didn't feel, um, I didn't feel welcome there. I didn't feel cherished for who I was. I felt like a nuisance because um, I needed a lot of attention, I think. Um, but when I started going to Grand Prairie Church of Christ, um, there was something really different there, and um, the clothes that I wore or the, the loudness that I had wasn't a burden to them. Um, they loved me for it, and they um, saw through all of the things that I hated about myself um, and my family. Um, and me and my mom, we had a really rocky relationship um, when I was younger. It's completely healed now, and we're completely... Like, we're best friends now, but it wasn't always that way. Um, And there was a lot of times in my life, like, I moved out when I was 15. Um, Me and my mom were fighting quite a bit. Um, And during all these ups and downs of my life, when I had no idea who I was, and I, I had no idea, like, how my relationship with my mom would go, or if I would even ever talk to her again, um, the church in Grand Prairie was my constant... It, it was my source of love and life. And I know that they did that for me and they loved me that well mm. because of who they knew Jesus to be and because they knew God loved me that, that well. Mm. Um, and I can't think of a time since I started going to that church where I didn't feel like if I fell, I would fall into many arms of love. <laughs> like I don't... I can't think of a time when I didn't think I could count on them or depend on them to hold me. Um... There are many times where they found me places to stay. Um, Even when I started going to Alberta Bible College, I had no money to buy glasses, for example, and that church paid for my eyes, you know? Like, they have supported me and loved me more than anyone that I know. And now, they're taking care of my mother, and they're loving her like they loved me, which is the most important thing to me right now. I'm sorry that I'm getting very emotional. Um, but there has been no greater impact in my life than that church and the church of God. Um, 
And I agree with Kelly. I think that's the way it should be. And for me, that's how it is. And there's nothing more important to me than than the church and how they love. Mm. Thank you very much. That's a blessing. Thanks, Steph. Thank you very much. Love you. In Acts chapter 2, the passage that we read earlier, that Juan read, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What strikes me here is the word devoted. What strikes me here is the way in which the early church said to themselves, what we are as a body, as a family, is so crucial to what we are as people that they ended up devoting themselves to the fellowship devoting themselves to the life together several years ago the word koinonia became quite popular it seemed like Christians everywhere were talking about koinonia groups singing groups called themselves koinonia albums were called koinonia churches would call themselves koinonia the word koinonia simply means fellowship That's what the word is here. And it has to do with the sharing of life together. When it goes on to say that they sold their possessions and goods in verse 45 and they gave to anyone as he had need, it's because they were sharing their whole selves, their whole lives with each other in the Lord. And that's what koinonia meant. So we're not talking about potlucks. We're not talking about greeting somebody at the door. We're not talking about a handshake in the foyer and saying, boy, it's good to see you. What we're talking about is the sharing of life. Where people recognize that in the body of Christ there are relationships that go far deeper than just the casual handshake. But indeed, we care deeply for one another. We love each other. There is special relationship here. That's one thing that is so clear about the fellowship that we share in Jesus, this notion of koinonia. Another passage, and one in fact that has been taken incredibly out of context, I think, so many times. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I can remember as a teenager hearing those sermons about how we're not supposed to miss church on Sunday morning. You can see it right there. Don't forsake the assembly of the saints. Well, I suppose there is an application there somehow of that. But it misses the point. This passage is about encouragement. This passage is about spurring one another on toward love and good need, deeds. This is about how, not how we get on together on Sunday morning and worship and, and make an appearance. This is about people coming together in the Lord and sharing each other's lives. And blessing each other with the encouragement and motivation that you find from people who love you 
and who move you forward, help move you forward in the Lord. So rather than a passage that says in a negative way, don't miss the assembly, this passage says make sure that you're there in order to encourage and bless because the body of Christ needs you. And so we do assemble here and worship takes place. We participate together in the supper. But one of the really meaningful things that happens is that here on a Sunday morning, we fellowship or should fellowship and bless each other. It it actually pains me that it only happens on Sunday mornings. It actually pains me that usually on a Sunday morning, I get to see each one of you for about 10 seconds, if at all. And there are some times when I greet you and sometimes you'd walk away from here and I'd never even know you were here. That grieves me and pains me because fellowship and our relationship in Jesus is supposed to be so much more than that. But we just get together this one time a week and have this kind of fellowship. That's, by the way, one of the reasons why small groups within our congregation are so vital, so crucial. So that it's not just five seconds or ten seconds on Sunday morning or that minute-long conversation. But it's a chance to do more than that and to have the deep kind of fellowship that the New Testament makes so clear is supposed to be part of the church. And then here's a passage that I think maybe is the, is the topper to it all. My prayer, Jesus says, just before he goes to the cross, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. may May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And the passage so clearly brings Christians together in a special relationship. This passage is saying a lot more than just, let's make sure we get along. It's saying that. We do need to get along. But it's saying so much more. Because the unity that's called for here is a unity like the unity between Father and Son. This is like a unity within the Trinity. And Jesus prays that the unity that we'll have in Christ is like the unity that he has with his Father. That kind of sharing and oneness, communion, relationship. And that's what the body of Christ should be. It's what the body of Christ needs to be. So Tom Rainer gave us weeks ago now six things that he said he wanted us to do in order to grow. And this is one of them. In order to grow effectively in Christ, people need to be in touch with, part of, fellowshipping with, relating with a body of Christ. And there's something powerful and wonderful and significant that comes out of that for our own personal growth. But even beyond that, don't we see that lives are changed by the fellowship that we experience together in Jesus. I would not be 
a Christian today. I wouldn't be with the church if the church had not been there for me, ministering to me, accepting me, being brothers and sisters to me. Wouldn't have happened. Steph, I don't know where she'd be. But I know that because some Christians in Grand Prairie ministered to her and saw in her a girl of 15 who needed them and ministered to her that she today is attending Bible college, preparing to be a Bible translator. This summer, if she plans are still holding true, she's going to Tunisia in order to learn Arabic. She's got plans to come back here later, learn other languages. She's taking Greek right now at the University of Calgary in addition to her studies at ABC so that she can become a Bible translator. And so something significant is going to happen for somebody down the road because of the church in Grand Prairie taking a teenage girl and doing something powerful and significant in her life. And I see in the text over and again the insistence by Jesus that these are the kind of relationships that we're supposed to share together. And so there is a call here to more than just handshakes. There's call here to something more than just casual relationship. Oh, I know him. He goes to my church. There is instead a call here to real relationship. And in the process of having those relationships, growth can take place in your life. I think what that means is that all of us need to seize the opportunities that are given to us to grow relationally. There are people in this auditorium that you don't know. There are some people you may never get to know well just because we're a large group of people. But there's a need for you to know some people very well. And for you to fellowship with Christians and to relate to them at a level that allows you to share your life with them. Blessing them. Encouraging them. You may wonder sometimes, what do I get out of church? Wrong question. The question is, what can you give to the growth and encouragement of another in genuine Christian fellowship? Let's pray. Holy Father, we don't want to be people who are asking what's in this for me, for us. Help us instead to see the need to give and specifically to give of ourselves to others. Father, open our hearts to relationship. Help us see the need to go deeper than we often do with the Christians around us. Help us to seize the opportunities that are given to us in order to build those relationships 
And Father, we look forward to the ways in which you will testify to the world about our love for one another, the way that you'll influence those around us as they see us living a life together in you. And they're impacted by our love. Father, I pray that you'd send your spirit of unity and peace that this would happen among us in a significant way. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, please.